Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're back here for part two of this minor league discussion, the Prospect Report with Bob Phelan of the Oriole Report. Had a great time in part one. If you didn't listen to that, go download that now because you don't want to miss it. It really talked about uh, intensively about a lot of guys at AAA where the talent logjam is for the Baltimore Orioles currently, but they have a lot of talent further on down. Bob, how you doing? I'm doing great. Glad to be back for part two. Okay. Appreciate it, Bob. Uh, uh, Bob is at the Oriole Report on Twitter. Uh, he's also a co-host of On the Verge, the Orioles minor league baseball podcast. And uh, I, I, On the Verge is kind of the 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 Cadillac uh, Twitter handle and source, I think, for minor league information. So we're very lucky to have Bob on for for uh, the show. Well, I appreciate that. We we try our best. All right, outstanding. So uh, uh, I, we talked about Norfolk extensively. We finished with some some uh, a lightning round of uh, a lot of pitchers and and their their chances to to help the Orioles this year at some point. And uh, the amoeba pitching staff that we talked about in the first episode. But now when we get down to to Double A and lower, we're really not talking about pitchers that are going to help the Orioles this year necessarily. We're everyone in that group is a prospect for their own reasons that they, they haven't graduated into a, any kind of a four a level of talent. And so let's start it with the, with the buoy roster in particular. And I, I guess the guy who, who people want to talk about first is going to be Heston Kerstad, given that he was the number two overall pick. Yeah, I would imagine. So, uh, you know, there was a lot of, you know, pessimism, I want to say after he was drafted just because he wasn't projected to be the second overall pick. And then immediately he came down with myocarditis and missed two seasons, basically, and then came back last year, raked in Delmarva, as you would expect, hit a bit of a, a wall, some struggles in Aberdeen, a lot of people do, and and then was the AFL MVP, Arizona Fall League, uh, in the fall. So there was a lot of optimism come into, coming into this season. He had a great spring training at the major league level. They gave him a lot of run there, 
and he he's off to a, a very hot start for double a and and he's not too much longer i think he'll be up in triple a norfolk yeah he's he's over he's 100 years past 100 days past his 24th birthday so it it really is time for him to move up i guess part of the problem is the the triple a lout field is really jammed um they they've had some problems keeping infielders healthy there but the 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 outfield is really jammed at this point yeah that is true but luckily they've been i think they foresaw this a little bit They've been playing him a lot at first base where, you know, there are some 4A guys that we talked about on mm-hmm. part one there, but not anyone that's going to block a Hessen curse at if that's what they want to do with him. So I'd imagine, you know, let's just say another week or two, June at the latest, or geez, June, uh, July at the latest, he'll be up getting time between the outfield, first base, and DH, and well on his way. I, I might predict that he would be like the Gunnar Henderson of last year where he gets a taste in September but mm-hmm. still preserve the the service time where they could potentially win rookie of the year in 2024 and, and give him a draft pick. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That would be, that's a, that's a huge hope for this guy who's, who's missed a fair amount of time now. And also we, as we mentioned in the first episode, there's a lot of value to that last marginal spot. I thought I, I was unaware of the rule change that you can only have 28 in September. And um, that's a pretty significant limiting factor for this organization. Yeah, it really is. When you have so many depth, talented players at, at AAA, it would have been nice. Just bring up basically a whole other team in the old days is what we could have done. But, yeah. Those, those dugouts in the 70s and 80s got very, very crowded in September, and, and that, was all, that was a lot of fun back then. Was to, was to, even when you had a losing team, and, and uh, uh, that was not true for much of my youth, but, the, but when the Orioles had a, had a team that was not – or on the verge of contention or whatever to have six or seven extra guys in the dugout. You're going to get maybe at a bat from this guy or a bat from this guy in a game was a, was a big thing to look forward to. Uh, Kerstad's play in the fall league obviously helped him a lot. Uh, does he fit the ballpark exceptionally well? Is he an all fields power guy or mostly a uh, pull hitter? Well, I would have said more of a pull hitter, but then I went down spring training and I was at the game where he hit two opposite field home runs uh, in the same game, so I think he can hit it out pretty much anywhere. But watching him on MILB TV, I think it's been mostly center to right for the most part. Um, so, yeah, I think he's a really good fit for Camden Yards. And I honestly, I, I want to say he might be Ryan Mountcastle's successor at first base, especially if if Colton Kowser is going to come up and, and succeed and you want to keep Mullins around, I'm sure, and, and – uh, you know, Austin Hayes, Anthony Santander, a lot of outfield options. So I think he might be more of a first baseman long term than an outfielder, but he's not bad out there either. So definitely gives you some some versatility. In terms of the the selections that Elias has had since he got here, um, is Kerstad now the, the least successful first round pick, he said? Yeah, <laughs> but that's pretty crazy that's to say because good. he has an OPS yeah. over a thousand in double A right now. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I think that's, that's that is certainly very exciting. Let's talk through some of the other prospects that that are there. Kobe Mayo, a big right-handed hitting high school draft pick, third baseman, uh, third baseman now. Is that where he ends up? I think he could in another organization. He's not bad out there at all. He has a cannon for an arm. The fielding, I mean, he's been there his whole life. He's he's not bad out there. He's very serviceable. Thinking another organization, they'd be thinking, all right, let's get this guy up play third base for us but here when you have Gunnar Henderson Jackson Holiday Joey Ortiz Jordan Westberg comes a little bit harder to envision that happening but 
Luckily, he does have a 70, almost 80-grade arm. Personally, for me, he's a right fielder down the line. He's got the bat to carry that. And we've seen what Austin Hayes can do out there with the cannon. And I think Kobe Mayo would look uh, make Austin Hayes look like Cedric Mullins when it comes to arm <laughs> arm strength. So, yeah, I think personally he's just going to be a big slugging right fielder. I love this kid. He's still only 21. I think he goes underreported just with the success that Gunner had last year and Jackson Holiday is like a story onto himself this season. Kobe Mayo with Grayson graduating prospect list is is my number two prospect in the system. Um, he's got a 900 OPS in AA at 21 years old. He's walking more, striking out less. Yeah, I think he is uh, very, very good and a keeper long-term. To, to me, that was a big change for him. And obviously, I'm, I'm a big fan of walks in general as the leading economic indicator of hitting statistics, so to speak. Uh, just a big believer in that. I also believe a lot of the drama of baseball comes from the walk, not to mention a lot of the value of you know, degrading the opposing starters and whatnot comes from having very patient hitters. Really hated the way the 12 to 16 Orioles were built with basically ignoring walks as a factor. But the Elias Orioles are right back on board with the 1970 Orioles and the 1960 Orioles way of doing things in, in terms of having high walk rates. Yeah, I think once uh, the lineup includes Jackson Holiday, Colton Kowser, Gunner, Adley, guys <laughs> like Mayo, these these starting pitchers will be at 100 pitches at like fourth inning. <laughs> yeah, let's let's hope that would be that's really something to look forward to. Uh, Mayo certainly, I don't know if he's shortened up his swing, but his home runs are down this year and his walks are up, his strikeouts are down. Whatever changes he's made, can you, can you talk a little bit maybe about that? Uh, have definitely been positive. I don't think he's made changes when it comes to that i think he's uh he's had quite a few balls where he pulled it a little too much was fouled by like inches i think he's had at least two or three of those uh a couple that were right up against the wall like he's still got that massive power it just hasn't necessarily translated into home runs quite yet 12 doubles in a triple though um yeah i think it's just a matter of Swing decisions have improved. That's where the walk rate has gone up. And, and uh, yeah, I think, again, he's not even halfway through his 21st year of uh, living on Earth. That is a weird mm -hmm. way to say it. But um, he's, uh, he's only going to get better. And I think the power is really going to play. I, I don't think left field is something you're going to have to worry about at Canyon Yards when it comes that's to That's good to hear. Yeah, that's good to hear. And I, it's... He is, I, what I've seen of him, he hasn't been going to the off field very often. He is a pretty much a straightaway left field power hitter uh, that I've noticed. But, but uh, is there, I mean, I, I hate to think they have to reconstruct his swing for this ballpark, but I guess it's just you accept a few less, less home runs, accept a few more doubles, and hopefully he, he continues the trajectory he's on, improving that walk rate because that had been the weakness in his game before 23. Yeah. Um, he did actually hit a home run to right center field the other night. But yeah, most of the time he is a uh, center to left, just like Kerstad is usually center to right. Um, but again, when he connects with one, it's, it's, it's kind of like it's going out. I don't care if it's uh, yeah. the polo grounds. So yeah, there you go. Okay. Now, finding a reference I can understand. Back from <laughs> baseball. Okay. Let's move on. Uh, Cesar Prieto, a guy, the, the uh, Orioles paid a lot of money for, uh, to, to bring in from Cuba. Uh, another prospect who's just aging out of playing at double-A Bowie really needs to get an opportunity to a higher level. He's 
killing the ball right now. Yeah, he's kind of like uh, a Luis Arise type player. He he doesn't really walk, but he he doesn't strike out either. He he bulked up over the offseason, and honestly, he started off so strong last year in Aberdeen, six home runs in April. I thought, wow, this is going to be great. And then he got to Bowie and kind of just stalled out and got a little bit worse each month. Didn't do well in the, in the Arizona Fall League. I was kind of like giving up on him a little bit coming into this year, but off to another fast start, and he's continued into May. Uh, yeah, I think it's just a matter of maybe once uh, Westberg gets caught up to the majors, maybe he takes his spot in Norfolk. Like you said, he is getting older. He was signed out of Cuba a little bit older. But the lefty that can just put the bat on the ball, that's, that's yeah. the thing that he does good. I, I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm wrong about his age. I thought he was 25, but he's 24 years and 16 days, which is that's bad But to, to be still at double A. But it's not as bad as it would have been a few years ago without the COVID bubble. Prieto is a guy I look at as someone who the Orioles might trade at the deadline. And they certainly do have a back, a logjam of talent. And I'd really hate for them to, to let anyone go too cheap just because they have a lot of talent. You could, you, if you want to work on that during the offseason, if you want to find a, um, you know, the, the player you think is going to, going to make the biggest difference. I think it's okay to trade one of these prospects. Westberg, for example, a guy who's proven everything he can at, at, at um, AAA. I would just really hate to see him traded for almost anything that is just a rental. Yeah, that's a good point. And yeah, maybe Prieto is a guy that you might look to trade first because like we said, with all these guys with their walk rates, Prieto's not going to give you that. So maybe he doesn't necessarily fit the style of play. Still has a lot of value. Still a talented prospect and player, um, but yeah, just We're, fun. Fundamentally, he might not be in the same stratosphere. Sorry for interrupting you there, but what's what's the glove like? It's okay. Um, he, I saw him play shortstop at Aberdeen. That wasn't going to work. I don't think long term. Okay. Second base, third base, he can pick it. He doesn't have the strongest arm. I'd say he's like. In between Norby and Westberg when it comes to defense, second base, third base. Okay. All right. Very good. Uh, John Rhodes, a guy, uh, unfortunately, maybe getting lost in the numbers at this point, but he's still right in there in the middle of the of the buoy lineup. Is he still a prospect in your mind? He is. Um, he's definitely been a frustrating one to this point, mostly due to injuries. He got off to a really hot start last year. Then he injured his wrist, and after that, the season kind of went downhill and this year he got hurt again early on. I think he has all the raw talent in the world. He's got a bunch of tools, just a matter of staying healthy, putting it all together. So probably losing some steam on prospect list, but definitely not. The story's not written out on him. He was also drafted uh, young. So he's a little bit younger than most of the other guys in his draft class. So stick with him might take a little bit longer than we hoped, but I wouldn't rule it out. And he, I've talked to him. He's got a great head on his shoulders. So good kid. Hopefully it works out for him. Yeah, tur- turns 23 in August. Got a 350 on base percentage in the minor leagues. That's not enough of an individual calling card to to bring him up. And a 722 career minor league OPS. Now, that does include a fair amount of time at Aberdeen. And I got to see. Yeah, he spent – actually only spent – 201 at-bats of his 500s. It's 40% of his minor league time at Aberdeen. Actually, he was pretty good there. That might have been his most effective stop today. I think it definitely was. 
um, in, in terms of where he played, but a guy I thought, you know, I, I was excited about, about him and a guy who, who, uh, could move pretty quickly and it just hasn't happened. It's, uh, it's been a little bit surprising to me. Yeah. I Is agree. there anybody else on the offensive side of the ball you'd like to talk about at double A? Uh, T.T. Bowens is a, not necessarily much of a prospect, but he plays first base D.H., and he did really well in Aberdeen last year. Actually, he's a huge guy with a ton of power, and he mm-hmm. did not hit many home runs last year for Aberdeen, which was weird, but he did improve his walk rate. He started this year on the injured list, and he's been fantastic since the two weeks that he's been back in Bowie, batting four fourteen with two home runs, four doubles, four walks. Also had a, a double and a homer in his rehab week with Aberdeen. So maybe someone to keep an eye on. He was an undrafted un, uh, signee, free agent signee after the 2020 draft, which was only five rounds. So he would have got drafted. But, you know, the Orioles don't have many first base prospects unless you count Heston Kerstad. So just want to shout him out. Do, do you need to have first base prospects ever? No. Or you can develop first base without No, not really. <laughs> not necessarily. So, so uh, it, Bowens actually turns 25 tomorrow. Uh, he's a guy, I, I guess I would have asked the question at least that you, of someone who knows, is given how little experience he's had in the high minors so far, is he close to becoming an organizational guy? He doesn't exactly fit the profile because the organizational guys are usually like Cullen and Jan and Vavra and guys who can play a lot of different positions for you and fill in at whatever level you need. Um, Bowens is just a big bat. Yeah, I would give him this year uh, if he doesn't really break out in a big way, and it's it's hard to do as a first base DH guy. Then yeah, probably next year that's what he's about looking at. Uh, now, so got some got some guys on the on the bump that are worth talking about, and Cade Bovich and Chase McDermott both acquired by trade. Uh, take us through a little bit about them. Yeah, Povich was the the center prospect in the Jorge Lopez trade with the Minnesota Twins. Yanir Cano and Juan Nunez and Juan Rojas also came over in that trade, but Povich was the guy who they saw a lot of potential in, and it's easy to see why now. He's got like five, six pitches. His curveball is beautiful, probably the best curveball in the system. Um, He's going to throw in the low 90s, can touch the mid-90s, but for him it's all about consistency. Um, mm-hmm. the command, sometimes he'll go out there five scoreless innings with eight, nine strikeouts and look unhittable the next time he comes out. And it's just, it's not the same. Like he's just missing, like he's not getting hit hard, but he's a guy that needs to put back to back starts together that make you think, okay, he's ready for the next step. But you can see the potential there despite the unevenness. He's got a 3.79 ERA, 55 strikeouts over 35 and two-thirds innings. But, yeah, it's just fine-tuning the command. He's got the stuff. It's just consistency. That's it. He's a ton of potential there. A lot of people talk strikeout-to-walk ratio in the minor leagues. I I like to look at strikeout-to-hit ratio as a measure of dominance, and he's over 2-1 to in that category, barely. But but he's over 255 to 27. Uh, So that's uh, it is very exciting. And uh, definitely seems like the real deal. And, you know, Robinson, not Robinson Cano, uh, Yenier Cano as the, as the uh, throw-in on that yeah. Lopez trade is making that look like a great move by Elias, even though they could certainly use Lopez in the bullpen this year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And Juan Nunez is a, a guy in the lower minors who has a ton of potential as well. And another trade that's looking better and better, and that's without Seth Johnson even 
coming back from Tommy John to pitch yet is the Trey Mancini to the Astros trade because they got Chase McDermott back who has just an explosive fastball. It's it's almost ridiculous how it looks like it just it's going over the plate and it just looks like it rises right at the last second. It's it's really fun to watch. He also has a nice big breaking ball. 49 strikeouts over 40 innings, 2.70 ERA. He's kind of like a right-handed version of D.L. Hall where it's if he could ever just get those walks down, he would be a mid-rotation starting pitching prospect. But again, just like Hall, worst case, he's a huge power arm out of the bullpen, but not giving up, not giving up hope that he could end up in a in a rotation as well. McDermott will be 23 in August. I believe that's correct. Born 2000, yeah. Um, I One of the things I always say, that that would be kind of late for or it certainly wouldn't be on track in the way I think about it for a really good hitter being at double a but for a pitcher i'm a little more lenient about that are do you, do you have the same kind of philosophy with regard to that 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 you can you can wait a little longer on a pitcher to figure it out yeah for sure i mean we've seen it time and time again jake arietta kevin gosman the pitching especially we're seeing it with grayson right now it's a it's a whole different ball game once you're at the major league level and very rarely do pitchers come up to the majors and just immediately make their mark and become come up as a finished product so yeah i think pitching definitely takes more time so patience is a virtue in the case of both povich and mcdermott i mean one of the nice things about them is at least from my mind is they both look like starting pitching prospects and not just guys that you'd have to push into the back end of the pen but they've been effective and 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 been wildly successful frankly with um uh, as starters and and you know pitching a fair number of pitches. Do you, do you think both these guys are potential major league starters? I do. Yeah, I think Povich more so, but I do think they both have the potential if they reach it to get there. Yeah, for okay. sure. Now, another guy that gets a lot less love and probably has a little bit less in the stuff department is Justin Armbruster, who's still at Bowie. Uh, been kind of a slow mover through the organization. He's been like a full year per level. Uh, talk a little bit about him. Yeah, he's another guy. This was... <laughs> Elias has a type when it comes to, to arms late in drafts. Big, tall, right-handed pitchers usually, and Arm Brewster is exactly that. Right now, he's got a 1.58 ERA for AA Bowie. Only 29 strikeouts over 40 innings, but I've heard that he's focusing on just soft contact and letting players uh, put the bat on the ball right now. At least that's secondhand info, but... It makes a little bit of sense. He had some success in AA at the end of last year. Kind of thought he would start this year in AAA, but as we've talked about in part one, they're, they're so deep, it's it's not quite uh, room for him up there just yet, but he can't be too far away with the way he's been pitching this year. I, I, honestly, his, his statistics now that I look them up are even better than I than I recalled, but he came out of New Mexico. He's 24 years old now, be 25 in October. So that's the that's kind of the bad news in terms of he's a little bit a little bit behind. On the other hand, you look at the guy, he's got a 108 career whip in the minor leagues. Opposing hitters hit 209, you know, eight and three record. He's only got 166 minor league innings, but only 126 hits. I mean, there's a lot to love there about what he's accomplished. The one thing that, that he's done is given up a lot of home runs, 26 and 166 career minor league innings. Yeah, he's more of a fly ball pitcher, but you know, hopefully that won't be as big of an issue in, in Camden Yards with that spacious left field. We'll have to see. Yeah, it's uh, certainly a player. Anybody else at Bowie you want to talk about before we move on to Aberdeen? Um, I mean, they have some guys that 
could be decent relievers or at least get a cup of coffee at some point. But I think the the one that kind of stands out, he's old for the level for sure. But Easton Lucas, who came over in the Jonathan VR trade all the way back then a few years ago, seemed like a throw in. But he's just gotten better and better each year. And he's certainly ready for for Norfolk, but he's got a 2.25 ERA over 12 innings with 19 strikeouts and only four walks. So, you know, not out of the realm of possibility that he hits the major leagues with the Orioles at some point. Be 27 in September. So, yeah, that's... Uh, I still only got 142 minor league innings. So what, what happened? Did he get hurt a, a bunch or just it's the missing the... The year of COVID. I think it's mostly the COVID year. He might have had an injury towards the end of 21 or 22, but mm-hmm. yeah, not a lot of innings on the arm, but I don't know. Could be, I mean, Cano is 29, so it's never sure. over for a pitcher, right? Sure. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Outstanding. So it kind of takes us through Bowie. I really appreciate the depth we're able to go into this, Bob, and you, you, you certainly know something about all these guys. Let's move on to Aberdeen and the most exciting player. And boy, you know, you're hearing this on the 26th. I wouldn't be surprised. Sorry, we're recording this on the 26th. I wouldn't be surprised if Jackson Holiday's announcement of his move to double A has already been made by the time we air this episode, but just killing the ball at every level. Take us through this season for Jackson Holiday. Yeah, wow. Um, number one overall pick, and somehow we underrated him coming into 2023. Um, and this is what we do. This is all we do. But uh, you knew something was up when all these outlets started putting him in their top 20, top 15, top 10 preseason. And we knew he was good, but we didn't, I guess, realize just how good. And then from a, I would say, I mean, Gunnar Henderson didn't even get invited to spring training in 2022, but Jackson Holiday at 19, just months mm-hmm. after getting drafted out of high school, was invited to Major League Spring Training, and he played most of the spring in Major League Spring Training. That was a huge sign of what they thought of this kid. And then he goes down, obviously, to to low A, and it was just nothing to him. He batted 392 with an almost 1,200 OPS, six doubles, a triple, two home runs, three stolen bases, more walks and strikeouts, I think. And then he gets promoted to high A, where, as we've noted, Norby, Kowser, Mayo, they've all struggled at Aberdeen because it's a really tough league and tough park to hit in. Oh, he's just batting 398 with the OPS over 1,200 at this time of recording with (laughs) six doubles, four triples, four home runs, and eight stolen bases. And I think maybe more walks and strikeouts still. Uh, it's at least close, but this I'll guy... I'll give it to you right now. He has 22 walks and 19 strikeouts yeah. and 61 and 43 for his minor league career today. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's something else. And obviously, I think his BABIP is a little high, but the talent is just ridiculous. And yeah, he's 19 years old, but he can do it all. It, defensively, his timing is... Just instincts, obviously, from being around the game so much. I'm sure that's where that comes from, son of Matt Holiday. It's it's crazy. Yeah, he. I would not be shocked if 2024 he makes the team out of spring training. Wow. Yeah, that would be yeah. great. Is any possibility of a call up this year? I wouldn't think so. I mean, right. unless he's just going to hit 12 uh, 1200 OPS all year long, maybe. But I strongly doubt it. Okay, and that's that's where I'd be too. And I think. I think at that point, once he's not on the opening, once he, you're talking about whether or not you bring him out out of spring training, is that a, there is some benefit they get from bringing him up at the beginning of the year. Tell us about that. Yeah. The new rule with the new CBA is 
And that's why you saw Gunnar Henderson came up at the end of 2022, but not enough to make him no longer rookie eligible. Um, if you have a player that's on the top 100 prospect list, I think it's two out of three of whatever publications they selected for this. Um, and he starts the year on the major league roster. He He's eligible for draft pick compensation if he wins the rookie of the year award. So you saw Adley Rutschman and actually the other part of that is if they don't start on the major league roster, but they finish top two or top three in the rookie of the year voting, then they gain that full year of service time back. And that's what Adley did for coming in second last year. So, okay. So that kind of sucked actually, but, yeah. but we we're glad to have Adley and hopefully they, they get him extended. Uh, holiday, you know, the thing, probably the most striking thing about him is he looks like he could, he could still show up for the little league world series and get into the game. And, you know, it'd be, it'd probably be one of those situations. Like what was the, what was the movie where the three older guys went and they wanted to play the little leaguers all the time? Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, I think I <laughs> so it's, it's, it's not the sandlot, but it's, it's one of these yeah. ones. And, and then they, the, the opposing teams got tired of getting beat and they, they had a Dominican pitcher show up who was taking beer to the mound, but he had a, he had a, had a piece of paper that said, I'm 12 on it. <laughs> Which is yeah. at the time there was all this international controversy going on about older pitchers in the college in the Little League World Series. Yeah, Holiday is a baby face for sure, but he's strong. He's he's strengthened up and obviously even more room to grow. I think the one thing you could have said coming into this year is is he gonna have enough power? Well, he's already answered that, yes, yeah. and he's only gonna get more as time goes on. He's nineteen years old, but he's got six home runs five triples and 12 doubles already. And it's not even June yet. So yeah, plenty of power. Yeah. I, I've been, one of the things I've kind of been noticing and he said just an incredible run against a lot of it was against Winston Salem and their stadium. And the highlights are out there. If you want to, if you want to watch him go, he almost hit for the cycle one night, but the game got shortened to five innings. And so he ended with a double, a triple and a homer. And then the next night he went five for six, I believe might've been yeah, five for six, not five for five. And, I think he had two more triples in, in that game, but there's a, there are some fly balls where he's definitely getting deep alley contact. And I think there may have been some balls that would have been caught um, by major league outfielders. And that's the only thing I can yeah. say bad about his season to take. Cause he has yep. just killed the ball. I know there's, there's a, not enough words to even describe how impressive he's been. Yeah. Uh. It, you know, it almost seems like it'd be foolish to put limits on him this year, but what would it take for him to be a 2023 call-up? If he hit at the same level for two more levels a month each, would that yeah. do it? Maybe. I mean, it's hard to – I don't want to doubt him because, geez, look what he's done so far. But, yeah, I think, you know, Bowie is a more hitter-friendly environment than Aberdeen, so what if he goes up and has a 1,300 OPS with them? I, I don't know. Um but yeah, he's certainly setting himself up for a big 2024 at the very least. Yeah, that, that jump. It, it, we also need to be a little bit patient with the with the kid too, because it, that jump to Double A is a very difficult one, and a lot of a lot of people would say it's the most difficult as, it, through the minor league system. In the Orioles system, it happens to you. Aberdeen is a tough hitter's park, so maybe it's a little bit easier yeah. to move up to Bowie. But uh, but I am expecting him to to have to encounter some resistance at some point, but just enjoying the ride as, as, as far as yeah, we can. We've, we've talked to Matt blood in the past. And when Gunnar Henderson first got to Aberdeen, he had a really tough stretch when he first got there. I think he was like 
two for 43 or something to start. And he said, that's what they want to see. They want to see these guys struggle and, and have to adjust and, and see how they bounce back from that adversity, which is kind of interesting and unusual as an Orioles fan to have a, a development player development set up the way it is. It's just, they actually can develop players and they want to see them go through struggles. It's, it's not what we've heard in the past. That's yeah. Sure. You know, the, the term I use is fail forward. And, and I, I think this applies to football as well, by the way, you know, folks out there are listening to listen, are used to listening to football podcasts, but you want to give players a chance to fail at their last level in a season. And that did not always tend to be the way people did. They, they said, okay, he's played a half a season here, play half a season there next year. Maybe he gets a chance at the next level, or maybe even starts the season. Then he moves up mid season. I, I, I really love the fail forward approach and the, different times that the season ends gives you some advantage on getting a couple of weeks extra at the AAA level in particular uh, for some players to let them fail at that level. Yeah. And that's what we saw from Connor Norby and, and Colton Kowser. Once the AA season was over, they went up and got a little taste of AAA before going into the off season. And you get to see what you're going to face next year and go into the off season, try to make a plan based on that. I, li- yeah. I like it as well. Yeah. Outstanding way to put it. Um, Let's talk about some of the other Aberdeen prospects, even though we're, we're probably not going to be as excited about them. Max Wagner at third base. Yeah, he's been uh, he's had a quite the interesting season. He's been amazing in May, really bounced back. He started the season 0 for 21 over the first four or five games of the year. And if you take that out, as I'm trying to do on fan graphs real quick. Let's see, April 13th, we'll start this. He is batting. 263 with a 904 OPS. Wow. Uh, 17.7% walk rate, 24.5% strikeout rate. And, you know, a handful of games to start the year, it's not what you want to see. Makes your, your line look a lot worse um, for a long time. But he's, he's passed that at this point. He's got a 779 OPS overall. And it's just say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. been fun to watch him improve as the season's gone on and walk more and hit for power he's got six home runs now so yeah he's a guy that was drafted out of Clemson he wasn't even a starter for Clemson going into last year he started on the bench and ended up hitting 26 27 home runs for them he's another young draftee I think he was drafted at 21 so uh, maybe more of a project than we're used to with the, the Orioles drafts but a lot of talent there and a lot of power so Maybe talk about a little bit about this right now, because the Orioles, one of the kind of frustrating things I found about last year's draft was they drafted a lot of older players, a lot of college players, 21, 22. And I think they even had a 23 year old hitter in there. And, I, you know, I'm like, what's going on here? I, you know, I want to see more guys who are 18. Obviously, you get more risk, more reward at that level. But I also trust Elias and his systems and, and the, the scouting department that they put in place now to identify those people the same way I, I, I trust DaCosta to look for small school football players. How yeah, do you feel about um, that one? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, you're fine. Um, I think it's, they have a, a model. I think Sig Mydell is a big part of that where they can, they have a bit more reliance on the college numbers that they can input and see what they can project them to be. It's a little less reliable with high school players. Obviously I think, your most high-end guys, or you're going to draft out of high school and you can really develop them yourself through crucial early 20s, late teens years. And that's where you get the Jackson Holidays of the world. But they've done a good job of drafting these college players and just drafting guys that hit the ball hard and getting them to lift it more, getting them to be more selective. So I think it's just it's part of their process. They're not afraid to go high school. They've done it. I think they will for the right players. But I think the safety the floor, the high floor of the college guys is attractive to them. It's interesting. You talk about lifting the ball as being something to go through. And it's, it's completely part of the uh, player development uh, paradigm now is that you're always trying to get players to lift the ball. You know, when, when I was a kid, it was like, you want to swing down on the ball. Oh, there's yeah. many more balls. And, <laughs> and, you know, I remember an interview happening. Ted Williams knew that was BS you know, the whole time when he wrote his science of hitting or, or whatever the book is called, but, but he's like, no, you want a slight uppercut. And he asked Don Mattingly about it one time. And Mattingly was, was still taught by this swing down on the ball or level swing or whatever. And he asked him how many, your, how many extra base hits you had last year, you know, 86 or whatever was the number. And, and he said, and how many of them did you get when you were swinging down on the ball? It's just <laughs> a, a point, great yeah. point. Yeah. So, all right. So additional players at Aberdeen, Judd Fabian and Dylan Beavers, a couple guys from last year's draft. Yeah, those are a couple exciting outfield prospects. Um, Beavers is kind of, again, he's more of a project. He's He's got like 
a hitch and a swing. He's got massive power, plenty of potential there. He's kind of like a Kyle Stowers type where he's he's got some swing and miss, but legit power. I think he has more upside than Stowers. I think the ceiling's a little bit higher, but the, the floor might be a little bit lower. He's got some work to do, but I trust this development, uh, player development more than I ever have. And if any team's going to get the most out of him, it's going to be the Orioles, so we'll see. And Judd Fabian is a true center fielder who he actually was drafted in 2021 by the Red Sox right one pick before the Orioles were about to take him and he did not sign with the Red Sox went back in the draft and the Orioles got him for cheaper than they would have last year um, in 2021 in 2022 but he's got excellent center field defense true center fielder he is the rare guy that throws lefty but bats righty He's got power. He'll walk. He's got 15%, 16% walk rates. Strikes out a little bit, but it's actually gotten a little bit better this year over last year in high A. And, yeah, he's just a power, defense, walk guy, like the three true outcome center fielder who just needs to get that batting average up. And right now it's 276, so so far so good. I would expect him to get up to double-A Bowie alongside Jackson Holiday relatively soon. Okay. You, you, you think that could be actually be a dual promotion or you think holiday will make it first and then Fabian in August or some such. It could be that as well, but I wouldn't be surprised if they went up together in another okay. week or two. All right. Uh, now the, the, the catcher, I was, I, is it Silas Ardwan? Is that the way you say it or, or how do you pronounce it? Yeah. Ardwan, I believe. Okay. Take us through him. More, you know, the Orioles, they've done a good job over the past few years getting, Catchers that strictly, first off, they can handle a staff. They've got good defense, give a good, call a good game, have good arms. Maverick Hanley is an example. Um, what's the guy in AA? Uh, Connor Pavoloni. He was the guy yeah. out of Tennessee. And they drafted two last year, Adam Retzbach and Silas Ardwan. Both are with Aberdeen now. The bats, especially for catchers, are going to be late to develop just because they have to spend so much energy and focus on on working with the pitchers and, and, and the other side of the game. But he's a guy who his dad got a cup of coffee in the majors, had some time in the major leagues as a catcher as well. So there's a pedigree, but he's batting 205 with a 650 OPS. But it's hard to really say what his value is since most of it is wrapped up in stuff we can't exactly uh, evaluate. Outstanding uh, batting eye. And, you know, another one of these guys you really, you, you really like to see, but he's drawn – I don't have a total here. Yes, I do. Um, 36 walks and 140 at bats. So uh, yeah. he's, he's, despite a 200 on base percentage in his career, sorry, 200 a- average in his career, he's got a 370 on base. That's Glenn Gulliver right there. That's a yeah. that's very extreme. So, yeah, that's like Gunnar Henderson's uh, April. For there the you go. There you go. Uh, it's incredible the depth of um, – catching prospects even i mean obviously up the middle they have a lot but they have a fair amount of low minors catching prospects and i'm still kind of kind of in the mind of rutchman is a prospect although he's fully arrived here at the major league level um but they have two guys at at at, uh at delmarva we'll talk about and two guys at aberdeen uh who are each uh actually they don't they only have one guy ardwan is really the only guy at aberdeen who's uh uh who looks like a great prospect um let's talk about some of the other guys maybe the pitchers uh, take us to whoever you want first, but uh, Pinto is the guy I've had my eye on. Yeah, Pinto is my guy. We were on him very early in 2021. 
when he came up from the FCL and debuted with Delmarva. We've been raving about him ever since. Um, he had a little bit of a step back in 2022 in Aberdeen, but he's, he's repeating Aberdeen again, and he's dominating them. He has one of the best swinging strike percentages in all of minor league baseball this year. He's got a 2.97 ERA over 33 innings with 51 strikeouts, only 13 walks. He is a guy that is has to be bound for Bowie sooner rather than later. He's still young for the level, but when you're pitching that well, I feel like he should be challenged a little bit, especially because he's repeating the level. Yes. Um, maybe long term, I see him as a as a multi inning reliever more than a starter, but I like him a lot. Now he. he, he in repeating, you don't just mean he spent half a season there last year either, and he's, and he's he played spent the full season at Aberdeen last year. Yeah, is I would I was frankly shocked that he was not moved up to start the season. What's what reasoning has been given in terms of him being still there because he's, he's dominated the level again? Yeah, no reason given. <laughs> I wonder if it's just you know, like I said, I was surprised Armbruster started back at Double A, so maybe it's just like there's a log jam and. As soon as, let's just say, I don't know, D.L. Hall goes up to the majors, back up to the majors, then Armbruster can go to AAA, and then Pinto can go to AA. I think maybe it's just to, to get enough innings that they want them to get that that's where it's just got to be for the time being. He started 41 of his 49 career games, so do you see at least for now that he'll stay as a starting pitcher? Yeah, I think they'll keep him starting kind of like, I mean, pitchers, that's what your best pitchers probably all started out as starters for the most part. And then once they prove that they can't do it anymore, then you you transition them to the bullpen. But, yeah, I think he's got a chance to stick as a starter. But I think long term, the most likely uh, situation is like a right handed Keegan Aiken, but hopefully a better version than that. Okay. All right, other guys at this level. Alex Pham is another guy who has had some really outstanding games mixed in with some not so great ones. Yeah. Uh, and this is where you're seeing like high A, low A, this and even double A, just the depth of, you know, they might not be drafting pitchers early, but they are trading for them. They are drafting them late. They're signing them after the draft and they are getting guys with hoppy fastballs and a breaking ball to work with. They're teaching them change ups. They're teaching them the sweeper that's sweeping the nation. Um, <laughs> and they are just getting these these pitchers that are not renowned. They have no name value going into the draft, but you look a year or two later and like Ryan Long, he, he played for Great Britain in the WBC, but he's got a 1.97 ERA with 37 strikeouts over 32 innings. Alex Pham, like you said, 2.56 ERA, 46 strikeouts over 31 innings. Um, and the list just goes on. There's other guy, Jake Lyons. He's, he's certainly old for the level, but he's got 43 strikeouts and only seven walks over 27.2 innings with a 2.93 ERA. They're just doing a lot to maximize the value of these of these arms and and kind of like the Astros of the the past decade. All you need is a few to hit and and you got some. You you made a really good point about the Orioles going out and getting more arms, whether it's after the draft, getting them as oftentimes throw-ins in trade and whatnot, but also kind of the kind of the organizational logjam they've got of pitching talent, which seems apparent it's very different from the problem they have with hitters and middle infielders in particular. They have a lot of, of high talent on the cusp of being, you know, potentially stars sorry, or very productive major league players, let's say, as opposed to just being guys who maybe are in there as, as amoeba pitching staff components. 
Um, and that that's really the, the pitching side. They've got so many guys at triple A who fit into the amoeba relief role that it, it's it's using up a significant amount of I don't know if roster space is really the concern in the minor league level because you have larger rosters at each level, but but it's more of like how many innings are available for these guys. Yeah, exactly. And actually last week they just released three pitchers um, from AAA, Norfolk Phoenix Sanders, Ryan Conroy, and Cole Uvila, uh, three guys who we've liked a little bit in the past, but it's just I think they've evaluated and – it's time to move on from those guys and give some other pitchers a chance. And yeah, I think that might be just a cycle. And it's, it's interesting. You said that it's, it's pretty true where the depth in the hitting side is more high end where it's these mid-level pitchers outside of guys like Povich McDermott and Hall and stuff like that. But you got just a litany of guys that are, you know, you can see flashes, you can see potential, but it's mostly from that multi-inning relief back end relief role. And those are valuable, but we also want some starters, right? Yeah, yeah, we we, we do, and uh, I and it's interesting they actually have gone through that release process because I was just going to ask, you know, is there a are, are they sitting somewhere with a whiteboard or a you know blackboard or whatever and saying, hey, look, we got to get rid of some guys, so we got we got people who need to move up, and that is more important than what's going on at these other levels. They may also have some organizational pitchers, so I don't know how much they do that relative to organizational position players. Is there some of that? There's a little bit. Um, not as much as it used to be, goodness gracious. Uh, mm-hmm. If you look at some of the the minor league teams from the mid-2000s and 10s, then you'd be shaking your head. But, yeah, there's a couple guys like, gosh, it's even harder to find them because I don't write them down. But like a Cal Dowdy at AAA, he's no chance of being in the majors this year. And there's a couple guys, but not nearly as much as it used to be. Okay. All right. Um, if I could y- talk about one more guy. Yes, go, Aberdeen. please. Uh, one of my favorite prospects. It's uh, Frederick Ben Cosme. He's a international signing, 20 years old, um, plays shortstop, second base, a little bit of third base. But at 20 years old, he's, he's basically skipped the FCL last year, went straight to Delmarva, had a 336 batting average and 841 OPS at 19 years old there. Moved up to high A late last year, struggled, and he's back there this year. He's had some bad luck. Uh, 0.269 BABIP is pretty low, especially for someone as fast as him. But mm-hmm. he's got a 14.3% walk rate. only strikes out 13.5% uh, of the time this year. Um, not much power, but he's a tall, lanky guy who projects to add some good weight. I- I'm just really high on this guy, and I think he's going to be one of that first like international impact along with Samuel Basayo, who I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. Oh yeah. Um, really like this kid. He's a top 20 prospect for me. And I think, you know, they might need to slow play him a little bit just cause he's, he's skinny. He's 20 years old and he's in high a it's kind of could be there all year, but I think he's a guy that you're going to, you're going to want to remember the name. He's batting right in the middle of the Aberdeen lineup right now. It's a, a, a fourth, fifth in there. He doesn't. I, I don't think he's hitting leadoff uh, anymore. But the lineup really drops off at the bottom. Uh, that's even more a phenomenon that you see at Delmarva. That there's a big drop off in the level of play at the bottom of the lineup, uh, and and a lot of that is due to the fact that I guess we can move on to Delmarva now since that was kind of the last Aberdeen guy. 
is Delmarva is really in a holding period now where they are waiting for the draft to occur to fill out with the college prospects that they always bring up. And usually I, I'll let you talk to the routine a little bit about FCL time and then moving to Delmarva. Yeah, the, um, the Florida Coast League used to be the GCL. That starts in early June, so we're like a week or two away from that. And that's where you're going to see players from the international signing class, basically. Well, before the Orioles got involved in that, it was a lot of uh, just organizational filler and maybe some draftees. But, yeah, it'll be mostly filled with the international guys. And then once the draft happens in early July, they'll all go to FCL just to get accustomed, and most of them will move up to Delmarva. And once the FCL hits, you might see a couple guys like Ben Cosme last year who once that season starts and they realize, okay, he's way too good for the FCL. Let's get him a challenge in full season ball. You might see a couple of those cases, but Delmarva, and especially since they eliminated that short season, uh, used to be Aberdeen in that role. Uh, now Aberdeen's high A. They used to be the short season. After they eliminated that, it kind of made a lot of guys forced to go to low A full season ball before they were really ready. And that's where you see that kind of dip in quality come from. So, and and the big source for those guys is going to be the international program in the Dominican Republic that they they end up with a lot of their players at Delmarva end up in in the early season get there and then you have some bounce back I guess that occurs or some releases that occur from that from that roll through exactly yeah a lot of these guys are super young for the level and yeah either they're going to repeat that level maybe even two or three times some of them just because they'll still be young compared to the average age and yeah they'll either get released if they don't improve what to what they expect them to do or they'll like you'll see creed willems we'll talk about him but man he was terrible last year mm -hmm. as a 19 year old in delmarva behind the plate and he's just come out raking this year uh, i think you could see that with a few guys who it's like mm, what they're not really doing much but then they come back the next year daryl hernandez was the same way uh last year they just they hit another gear where whether they add some bulk, they, you know, are more comfortable in their bodies because they're so super young or they just work on things over the off season and improve their swing decisions. That's where you're going to see these big jumps is probably low way Delmarva. Yeah. Her, her nays, uh, uh, you know, unfortunately it's one of the guys they had to trade, but it's, it's hard to disagree with it as much as I liked him as a prospect, given how stuffed the Ravens, the Orioles system was. I, I make that mistake a lot, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, and that was a trade. I mean, I hate to lose Hernandez just because he's a, another young, talented infield prospect. But at the time, I loved it. You're getting a, a cost-controlled starting pitcher who's thrown like 150-plus innings the last two years. Obviously, Irvin didn't live up to it so far. Still got a chance to bounce back. But you got to make that trade 10 out of the 10 times when you're trying to compete for a playoff spot. All right, so let's talk about those Delmarva prospects. And to me, it's one of the most fun times of the year when after the draft when Delmarva really gets their influx of talent. But they have a couple of guys here, and this is unusual, I would say, to starting the season uh, who are playing there right now. And, and un incredibly, they're both catchers. So yeah. uh, let's start with Creed Williams because you talked about him already. Uh, a guy who they, I think they signed, he might have been 17 still. Well, he might have been just 18, wh wh whichever it was. A little bit of time down in the uh, in the Florida League, and then I, I, Gulf Coast League, Florida, Florida Coast League, which is FCL, GCL now. FCL now used to be FCL. GCL. 
Okay. The FC, a little bit of time in the FCL before he, before he moved up. Um, and uh, uh, just got destroyed by uh, that Sally League pitching. Yeah. I mean, he's still not even 20 years old. He's still, his birthday is in eight days. So pretty close at the time of recording, but still very young for the level. But yeah, just think of this improvement. Last year in Delmarva, he had 246 plate appearances and batted 190 with a 585 OPS, walked 5.7% of the time and struck out 27.6% of the time. He's repeating the level now and over half of those plate appearances in the last 112 plate appearances, he has a 311 batting average OPS just under 1100, walking 16.1% of the time, striking out 23.2% of the time. So walking way more, striking out less, hitting for more power. He's got six doubles and eight home runs already this year. He's just, he looks slimmer. Like he's a big guy. He yeah, was a, yeah. out, he looked out of shape last year. He, you can tell he, he worked on that over the off season. He slimmed down a little bit, looks a little more athletic and it's paying off in a big way. Um, looks like another, you know, the Orioles don't draft high school players very often, but when they do, they typically hit. And last year it seemed like, well, maybe Creed was going to be a rare miss for them, but now it's looking like he could be another hit. He's a, going to be just turning 20 years old playing catcher and he's could be justifiably promoted to Aberdeen at any point in time now. I, I, seventh, eighth round pick originally. I see his pick number two twenty seven of the draft overall. Eighth uh, round, yeah, yeah eight million dollars signing bonus. So, so that's the point. Is you, the Orioles have used this this underslot formula where they try and save some money for mid round draft picks. And when I say mid round, anywhere between five and fifteen, probably, but even maybe later than that. And they have a little bit extra to pay big bonuses, and they can actually play the prospects against each other a little bit, can't they? Yeah, it's uh. It's interesting. It's different than the football draft, that's for sure. Um, yeah, it's like this past season they drafted a guy, Noel McLean, who's a pitcher. He was kind of a two-way player in college. He didn't want to sign, so instead they signed their 18th or 19th round draft pick, uh, another college guy, and gave him a, a big chunk of money when he was really just a backup. It's it's very complicated system. <laughs> So it, the, the most similar thing in football is probably the UDFA process where they have a limited pool of total dollars and they give it out about a thousand dollars at a time. Uh, and they literally have 20 guys on the phone immediately after the draft is over trying to reach various guys that they like to bring them into camp and sign them. But, uh, but there's usually one or two they target and they get a big chunk of the money and then everybody else has to, has to take second hmm. fiddle and, and be sold on the opportunity with the Ravens. Yeah, exactly. So Creed Willems, obviously, the weight problem is front and center in terms of, of what I've always seen about him. And just the guys, uh, uh, last year he looked like a whale, I'll say. It's just a, a, and I, this year I have not watched him as much. He does look a little slimmer to me. Uh, if you're looking for a Raven similarity, I, I hope it's been Cleveland this year versus last year. Uh, he looks like a lot more in shape uh, just in the, the initial photographs and whatnot from the OTAs. But uh, Creed Willems, boy, the guy was just – playing with way too much weight he just he wouldn't be able to maintain I, w- I wouldn't think a major league catching career for very long at that weight i know we've had some guys now who would tell you otherwise at the major league level like kirk of toronto but uh it's it's not a it's not a good thing for your knees to be that heavy and have to catch yeah and as long as he can continue the trend that he's shown just work on it slowly develop his body over time add strength replace some some of the fat with muscle 
I think he'll be all right because clearly he's got the raw talent. All right, how about Sam Vasayo then? Because he's he's the guy in the low minors who's really exciting at this point. Yeah, I think he might be the first international phenom for the Orioles. He's 18 years old, 18 years old, and he has a, a 297 batting average, 818 OPS for low A Delmarva full season ball. That is very rare. That's 28% better than league average at much younger of an age than most people. In the league, he's got 11 doubles, two triples, four home runs. The thing that is going to take some time is the walks. He's walking 5.8% of the time. That's below average, but he's only striking out 20% of the time, which is pretty good for a power hitter. And the power is just ridiculous. It's like him and Kobe Mayo, if they both, both make it to the Orioles, are going to be super fun to watch. Um, I saw one of his home runs live this year on, on the computer where it looked like he was just trying to foul a ball foul a ball off, just fight it off to live to see another day. And oh, just so happened to go over the left field wall to the opposite field. So <laughs> yeah, his power is insane at 18. I can't imagine what it's going to be like when he actually gets into his early twenties. Um, I'm thinking Jordan Alvarez type of stuff here. And he actually is for as big as he is. He's six foot three um, listed at 180 pounds. He's probably more than that now, but for as big as he is, he's pretty athletic, and he might stick behind the plate at catcher. He's got a great arm, really looks comfortable behind the plate, natural movements, athletic movements. He can play first base well as well. So he's going to be like a catcher first base DH type. And, uh, yeah, super exciting. Um, I have him as my 10th best prospect in the system, and I'd expect him to be top five once this year is over. Yeah, he's he's definitely moving quickly up people's lists. A lot of people – there was surprise that he'd be in the top 30 last year, but, but with the way he's played, there's just no doubt about it at this yeah. point that uh, he's one of the, one of the best guys. Anybody on the Delmarva pitching staff that you like? Let's see. I, I mentioned Juan Nunez a couple of times. He came over in the Jorge Lopez trade with the twins. He's 22 years old, which is a little bit old for low a, but he only started pitching last year. He was a catcher before that converted to, to pitching and, the stuff is really good. He's just a little bit raw. He's just got to get those innings. He's got a 3.55 ERA over 38 innings with 46 strikeouts. Right-handed guy who I think the Orioles really like. I think fan graphs, especially Eric Longenhagen, he, he likes him a lot. I think he has him in the top 30 for his Orioles prospect list. Uh, Davey Cruz is a super young left-handed pitcher who strikes out a ton of batters but needs to work on that control. Wander Los Santos, he pitched all last year at Delmarva, a big right-handed pitcher. He's got great stuff. He's, again, struggled with the walks, but strikes out a lot of batters, got good stuff. That just pretty much explains this entire pitching staff. Moises yep. Trasse is exactly the same. Um, but, yeah, and there's some college draft picks here. There's some high school draft picks. There's some international guys. A lot of raw talent, but – just got to refine it. And this is where they're going to do it. And just the same way we have to look at the batting lineups and accept that fall off that occurs at the second part of the lineup. Don't we have to look at pitching stats in the first half of a year there and take them all with a grain of salt, even really good ones. And it's not like any of these guys is lighting it up to the level where they just have to be promoted. Um, I would be concerned that, you know, particularly the, the, the five through nine batters for most organizations are not going to be up to the standard that you would expect. Yeah, and and these guys are so young. Honestly, even 
compare their first halves to their second halves. Like uh, just a random example, Isaac DeLeon, who's now struggling at high A, even though he's like 20, 21, so he's still young. But in the first half for Delmarva last year, he was batting under 200, walking a bunch, but just not putting it together. In the second half, he was great. He earned a promotion to Aberdeen by the time the season was over. I think you're just going to see these guys develop as the season goes on, let alone over off seasons. All right, terrific. Anybody else at Delmarva we need to talk about, or maybe anybody else in the Dominican Summer League you want to mention? Oof, I'm excited for the FC on DSL to get started. Can't watch them play, um, but looking at the box scores, it's just fun to to dream on these young kids, and you know that's where the superstars come from, right? Is these Julio Rodriguez of the world? They're the international guys who come up and start raking at a as teenagers and, and make it to the major league. So there's probably too many names to list there, but one I'll say is Aaron Estrada. Uh, I'll shout him out. He's, he's a short second base prospect switch hitter, but man, he raked in the DSL last year and I could see him being this year's Frederick Ben Cosme, who kind of skips the FCL once it gets here and, and makes a name for himself just from his raw hit tool ability. And one other guy for Delmarva I'll shout out is Elio Prado. He's an outfield mm-hmm. prospect. He actually came over. He was Rodriguez one of the trade. first moves Michael Elias made in the, God, with the Boston Red Sox, that pitcher. Rodriguez? No. It wasn't him. Right-handed pitcher. Man, now I'm not going to be able to remember. Let me That's okay. That's it. okay. I, I think it was Prado and Ilya Prado and one other guy they got Wilbur in that. And they were Romero. both like 17 at the time, right? Yeah. Andrew Kashner trade, uh, mm-hmm. who started the year strong for the Orioles and then fell apart for the Red Sox, which was nice. But uh, <laughs> Ilya Prado, he's still only 21, but he's had a lot of injuries. But he's just putting together a really solid year, batting 275 with a 767 OPS, six doubles, two triples, Two home runs, five stolen bases, plays good defense. I think there's even more tools than he's shown so far. But it's just funny that a trade that happened four years ago and the kid is still only 21 and and just starting to put it together. So that's where it's like preach some patience with these guys. It's a lot of potential. And if the development can get to them, then they could be something. Now, you mentioned that the um, the Orioles talking about Elias and, and Basayo being the, the, the first of the phenoms from to, to maybe come back from the Dominican. That had been a huge hole in the Orioles player development process and their drafting process was their, their international um, uh, black screen, we'll call it, with regard to being able to see these, these guys that they, they really had avoided international prospects. Yeah, and it's basically like trying to win a race with a – one leg tied to a tied up. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm trying to say, but uh, yeah, it's, it's so it was impossible in this day and age. So that actually just makes the 2012 to 2016 stretch all that more (laughs) of a miracle that it ever happened. But yeah, now we're all in and it's starting to catch up and we're finally playing with all our legs. So the the Orioles have a great facility down there. Uh, Have you heard it generally praised relative to others? Or is there any kind of like a value relative to like the castle, you know, as a pull for players and other organizations? I'm not sure if the new um, thing is completely built and up and running yet. But I know that I've heard from people at Baseball America and such that we're at least up to speed. We are at least uh, comparable to other teams, if not soon, to hopefully be ahead of the game. But I think the uh, just the player development and the 
the reputation that that is is building is helping get some of these guys to come here too. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, outstanding. Bob, uh, just a fantastic discussion here. I appreciate you spending all this time on a Friday afternoon uh, talking about this. It's, this is the kind of content people love. And really, I hope you'll go out and look at, at the Oriole Report, his, his Twitter handle, and more importantly, probably the, the On The Verge podcast, right? Yeah, just search BSL On The Verge wherever you get your podcasts or social media, and, and we'll pop up. And yeah, give us a follow, give us a listen. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you enjoy it. Bob, thanks so much for coming on. I'd love to have you back on again as the Orioles season progresses. I'm sure we're going to do you know a few more crossover episodes uh, and uh, more than happy to do your show as well if you'd ever like me on. Uh, other folks out there, if you'd like to come on a film study podcast, just hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. Uh, I'm open to all seasons, all sorts of off-season content. I still try and produce five or six shows per week, so please, if you're interested hit me up. I'll get right back to you. And we'll have a, we'll have a fun discussion about a topic that you're passionate about with regard to the Baltimore Ravens. Bob, thanks again for coming on. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next time on film stuff. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.